Are you in your bedroom right now? Yeah. Okay. Why? I did something recently. I've been working on it to quiet proof my PC setup. So I got two oh. things. One is I have I have this keyboard okay. here that I got in Taiwan when I was there. Ooh, sexy. Check out this uh, sound here. I don't hear that really at all. Really quiet. Exactly. Yeah. It's super quiet. And then I just got this mouse and it has this little switch where they have. Goes like into quiet mess. mode? This is the regular. Oh, that's quiet mode. Why, why do you need that? My computer setup is in our bedroom so that if Nikki's sleeping, uh, I can just be here. Quiet keyboard, quiet mouse. I and see. Not disturb no, yeah, my um. My keyboard is definitely enough to wake wake a uh, light sleeper. But. <laughs> Do you got the the blue? The I have blue brown keys. Switches which are quieter. Brown, those are loud. Aren't aren't they quieter than blues? Louder than red. I have browns, and I get roasted on TikTok for having brown keys, because I guess like gamers don't like brown keys. I don't know. I like I like them. It's more for office people yeah. like brown keys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and office person, I I am. I sure am. <laughs> gamers like blue keys. I think so. When I go into the office yeah. and I see what they're using for capture, it's absolutely insane. It's like someone is snapping like that with every key press. It's so loud. Oh, for ca- what do you mean for capture? Oh, for game capture, our game capture department. What does that mean? So I work at Hammer Creative. I think you explained this to me. It's like when um, <laughs> it's like the video game equivalent of filming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we have to, we go into the game. We want to create a trailer. And so we'll go get trailer or whatever. It's more than just trailers. Like what I do primarily is we make stuff for TikTok. We would go in there. We get the footage that we want. And then we edit it together. Right. The client is not sending us footage. Only rarely does that happen if they if they have a smaller budget, if they want to do that on their end. But we go in and get the footage ourselves. Sometimes yeah. we get, if the game hasn't come out yet, we're playing early versions of the game that are incomplete. Yeah. So the those people, the capture department... They're simultaneously sort of like the directors, the actors, the cinematographers, cam ops, everything all in one because they're doing they're doing all of that. Is it somebody's full time job to be a video game capture actor? And by actor, it means you have to get fluent enough in the game to play the game and move the avatar. Like you're not acting like you're in a you're on camera. You're (laughs) you're, no lines. Yeah. Your video game character is on camera. Yeah, that is a that is a job. That's essentially the entry level job. I see. Because the people who who do that, you just have to be good at gaming. So right. if you can pick up a game quickly, get used to the controls, yeah, and yeah, just yeah. be the support for the main capture artist, then that's what it takes to be a capture support. I see. We work with plenty of them. Most of them are freelance. We have a couple that huh. we hire as well. Yeah, but, I guess that skill set is yeah. fairly straightforward. Yeah, but in terms of growth, like for to be successful. It's not only that, but you have to have a good eye because eventually yeah. once you're shooting, it's about, it's just like photography or videography. You're framing, you're lighting and doing Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. A lot of people don't know that this exists. Yeah. And well, that's you're, why it's you're really hard for us to find people. I'm mapping what I know about like film production onto it. Yeah. And like how much like rich, how deep this can go, like the art of video game cinema, cinematic yeah. capture. It just clearly mm-hmm. like... The dollars in it is smaller, mm-hmm. so oh, so like yeah. so obviously like people it's not going to be as well known. It's not going to there's not going to be as much like talent like mm-hmm. going towards there and like innovation as much as like film. But I could see like imagine in a world 
Oh man, now I'm tripping myself up. Imagine in a world where VC is saturated or VR is saturated and people start filming movies within VR universes. Like yeah. that's that's essentially what you're doing. Yeah. I think that would be really cool. I'm interested in VR from the artistic standpoint. I'm not really yeah. interested in it from like the business metaverse standpoint because I think that's like fully dead now. But Ugh. the <laughs> you and I, I just see that you're like, like few select no, 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 things. No, no, no. I think so much of what people said two, three years ago that's like VR is gonna be this, gonna be that. Like none of that has come into fruition. In fact, people have fully it will. It's like though, VR yeah. is Ugh. VR okay, is okay. Uh, is yesterday. AI is today, and that's all anyone cares about anymore. But the point I'm trying to make is from yeah, an artistic yeah. standpoint, I think there's so much amazing stuff that can still be done in VR. Yeah. Like I've played a few VR games that really took advantage of the medium. And I've talked about this on the podcast plenty of times. Yeah, yeah. I love movies and I love games that really interact with the medium. Yeah. That, like film is audio and sound. Games is audio and sound and player control. Video and sound, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said audio and sound. <laughs> but VR, you have moving around in the space. Yeah. And I've only played a few VR games that really felt like... I haven't played many. Yeah. But there's some of them that feels like, wow, this is what this technology was meant what, for. What, is, um, what are some that you would name? Just curious. Half-Life Alex? Like, what, what did you... The very first ones that came out, I thought were so much... Very novel and very fun. Like, yeah. the Job Simulator one was so funny. Just, like, throwing things in an office and, like, breaking things was just hilarious. Yeah. And then there's like a lightsaber one where yeah. they've had lightsaber games at the arcades, like from the nineties. I remember those ones and those are still fun, yeah. but the doing it in VR was just awesome. Yeah. There's something super compelling about the lightsaber one, the DDR lightsaber one. My favorite yeah. VR sim to this day is you just spawn on a sidewalk and then you mm -hmm. take a glass elevator up like a hundred floors and then you stand yeah. on a plank off of the edge mm -hmm. of the roof. And cause, cause to me, that is like very directly being like, you wouldn't give a shit if you were watching this on a YouTube screen. Exactly. People shake and like cry mm -hmm. and clearly they know that like, they're not going to fall and die, but they do. Exactly. But Your like, brain is tricking yeah. you. It just reminds me of, you know, that movie that was like one of the first movies that people saw where there's the train that came towards screen and people like got up and ran away yeah, because yeah, they yeah, thought yeah, the train yeah. was going to hit them. It's just on the screen. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly what this is. I think yeah. where people are terrified and it's, they're put in this situation that their brain can't comprehend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's so cool. And I heard, I haven't experienced this, but my friend did it. I think it was in Madame Tussauds. Okay. They have this experience where, and this is what I'm primarily interested in is where VR interacts with like physical. They had a, a physical space, but then in VR, when you put on the goggles, that physical space you're in is a burning building. And so mm. you're walking through the burning building and the things you touch are actually there. So you can like go through door frames and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. around this room. I think that's where VR becomes very interesting because right now it's like, yeah. yeah, I think technologists that are visionaries are the ones that often struggle with like, okay, but how do you stitch point A to point B? Yeah. And like often it's, point a plus point zero zero one percent that like gets the traction mm. you know it's the yeah it's the flashlight app that goes viral it's the beer <laughs> it's the beer drinking app that goes viral on oh, iphone man. first you know i remember yeah i remember that's what gary v talks about a lot too but like for the me lightsaber app yeah the lightsaber app like shring, so much fun. Shring, you know yeah. it's so good and then it evolves into billion dollar apps now but anyway yeah. we got an mo here though <laughs> and that's to talk about avatar yes
<laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This is the podcast, and this is the theme song, and it goes like this. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. This is Avatar The First Viewing. This is the podcast where a first-time watcher of the show, Avatar The Last Airbender, goes through and watches the entire series from start to finish alongside an Avatar expert. I'm your Avatar expert, Eli. I'm your Avatar newbie. My name is Peter. Welcome back to the show. And today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 17, which is called The Ember Island Players. So Peter, overall thoughts, what do you think? Dude, I remember I groaned when you said that it's like a recap episode. And then I watched the episode having forgotten that you called it that. Yeah. And then I was just enjoying it and delighted the whole time. And then at the (laughs) end of the episode, I was like, wait, nothing happened. Oh, wait, they were just recapping the. Oh, wait. Yeah. Eli told me about this. So yeah, yeah. Their Mm -hmm. theater related take on it was so unique and unexpected that I I, like Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. I I I did enjoy it. Uh, And I. Yeah, it was so fresh. I, th- I thought it was great. I feel the same way. I've said this about filler episodes, that the beach episode in the same location on Ember Island, I thought yeah. was a great example of the show taking an anime trope that everyone hates and then making the best possible version of that. And I think this episode does the same thing, where usually a recap episode is I suffer through it. Sometimes I'm just like, maybe I'll skip, but I don't want to miss something. And so you watch yeah. it and it's really only like 35% actual new episodes and then they just reuse old footage because the animation budget is lower and there's like a very light story that is reintroducing you to the characters good example of a show that did this many times is my hero academia oh god they reintroduce every single character they tell you the name of their quirk Midoriya. but now there's way too many characters and so they can't do it anymore yeah but every time they did it i was like oh oh my oh god and then they show you that scene of him crying again and yeah. again and again. It's pretty bad. Uh, but this this episode, they didn't skimp on the animation budget. They did that theater angle is is super fun. It's just a good time. It's unique. I like this episode, even though it is still a recap. Yeah. I would put it like on the bottom half of like episodes, but yeah. it still exceeds expectations. Like, like this doesn't mm-hmm. need to be an amazing like episode. Yeah. But like it yeah, still yeah. punches above the weight of like they had a low bar and they decided to show up and do something extra anyway. And I really respect exactly. them for that. So let's jump into predictions then. Predictions. Should we do? Is there a newbie recap to do? I, I don't. Oh wait, newbie recap. <laughs> but like it's a recap. Yeah, of a there recap, is a newbie. So, okay. There is a newbie recap. Let's just. There's a few things that happen that aren't related yeah. to the. Yeah, you're so right. Let's you're just right. go over that. Yep, yep. All right, newbie recap. So Ang Gang which includes Suki and Zuko now, go to the Ember Island Players, a theater troupe that puts on a show about the Avatar and the Angang. I forget what they call it, but it's on Ember Island, which is cute. And the whole play is basically like a recap of seasons, everything that happens in season one and surprising level of like detail. Of course, it's a Fire Nation play, so they make a mockery of the characters and caricature them. Actually, mm. The playwright is, and this is tying into a lot more that I have to talk about for this episode. Yeah. I looked it up. The playwright is an Earth Nation playwright that is traveling to the Fire Nation to put on this show. Uh, That's all I'll say for now. Is that canon? 
Canonically, that's what happens. But I'm if, not sure if they mentioned it. If I paid attention, would that be clear? I can't remember because I was okay. looking up what the they hold up a flyer in this yeah, episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. The oh. flyer is the actual season one art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same poster, but they like kind of change their faces. They stylize it traditional to Chinese. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then this is a, a, just a fun fact. There's a, a portrait of the playwright at the bottom. It's literally just the husband of Wu Zetian which is the only female emperor of China, one of her husbands, they just took an image of him and then slightly changed it. And then that's it. They're like, they're not even trying to hide it. Well, yeah, that's that's a nice little uh, Easter egg. Yeah. I'm not sure if we talked about this in the past, but everything that they're writing in Chinese is like actual Chinese. I read the translation and the translation says it's like a renowned Earth Nation playwright. Huh. Yeah. I like that. That's so interesting. That adds so many layers to it because- there's more analysis to be done here. But anyway, yes. The audience is certainly for Fire Nation and in key areas of the play, the play basically goes through season 1 all the way to present day, except they add on a little bit, which is where Azula defeats Zuko and the Fire Lord defeats Aang and the world is his and happily ever yeah. after for the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. And then there's a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. It's basically like a pompous uppity play like going to the opera or something is kind of yeah. It's really wealthy people that are on like a Hamptons vacation to Ember Island, you know? It sort of reminded me of Kabuki plays because of the yeah, stagehands. Ha- yeah, yeah, yeah. It mm-hmm. has aspects of that. They mix Easter, like the, when they pan to the theater, it felt Western, right? Like the balconies, the wealthy people. Yeah. I almost expected them to have like monocles. But when the, when they were showing like on stage and backstage stuff, a lot of the motifs were the the sets and the effects. It was very like traditional Asian Eastern like effect. Chinese and Japanese. Chinese and Japanese. (laughs) Shen Yun type like fabrics and stuff. (laughs) Notably, how the characters interact with it is, is fun. Basically, they're all salty at how they're portrayed. Sokka. Except for Toph. Except for Toph. Sokka is, <laughs> their version of Sokka is cracking really stupid jokes, which, you know, Sokka does, I guess. And like, always like, oh, I'm starving. I need meat. And the Fire Nation people are like, ha, ha, ha. He's poor and hungry. Ha, ha, ha. That's the joke. Yeah. And then Katara's doppelganger is always crying and talking about, oh, we need hope or something like that. We need to hold on to hope. Zuko is honor, my honor, honor, honor. And like, which is honestly, it's pretty accurate. It's pretty, they're all, I think he's the most accurate. All pretty spot on. Iroh is played off as like an oaf, like a stupid oaf. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Toph is played by like a jet, like basically Dwayne, the rock Johnson. And Toph is like, Uh, the only one that's like, oh my god, that's amazing. That's totally me. And then Aang is played by a girl. Oh yeah, Aang is like, that. like a Peter Pan trope. Aang is played by a yep. girl and like effeminized and made to seem very trivial and frivolous. Mm-hmm. And a big thing that Aang happens to Aang, Aang gets friend-zoned very hardcore in the play. They they kind of ship Zuko and Katara in mm-hmm. the play. So Aang gets salty, goes outside and says, like, is that true? Do you really think of me as a brother? Katara's like, I'm just confused, dude. We're literally yeah. about to try and stop the apocalypse and genocide. Yeah. I don't know, bro. Mm-hmm. It's not about this. And then Aang is like, very cringe, but also very yeah. believably what like a 12-year-old would do is like, yeah. he swoops in to try and force the moment again and kiss her. And, then, and she's like, yeah. dude, I just told you I'm confused. Like, what are you doing, man? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she like gets kind of upset and leaves, and he's upset. Very understandable moment for Katara. Yeah, for yeah. everyone. Def- very, definitely very a good. cringy move. He was like very mature and smooth when he kind of smooched her before the invasion. Because that felt like genuine and heartfelt. But this was more... Desperate. Desperate and like self, self-centered. self Maybe not mm-hmm. selfish, but... Yeah, that's about the newbie, newbie the recap. And then they, nothing plot-wise really happens. They just kind of go yeah. home and say like, eh, it was bad. But yeah. I guess the effects were okay. The only prediction, because we said there's not much plot-wise mm. that could happen, yeah. I would assume is around the shipping situation. Because mm. they're addressing that again in this episode. Any changes or do we still have the same opinions? So not based on this episode, yeah, but based on listening to our past episodes, because you've been pumping out a good amount of our episodes yeah. and re-listening to our episodes... I've kind of reflected and think maybe the show will play it a different way. So I've been pretty confident and adamant that Aang will not end up with Katara and that Katara will likely end up with Zuko. And I've gone back and forth here. I am less certain now. Mm -hmm. I feel like Aang might end up with Katara because what I realized is a couple things. They haven't talked about it, but Aang may not go back into the Avatar state again. Uh Uh-huh. Because Azula did lightning smite him and while he was trying to do it and like the refractory period is definitely over, it would be weird to me if they like somehow wrote back some backdoor loophole into him getting the Avatar state again. And it would also mean that he would have to let go of Katara. And that's a big leap on top of Mm -hmm. having to also kill, potentially kill um, the Fire Lord. Ozai. Yeah. Ozai, like those are big leaps for Aang right now. And within four episodes, I guess they could accomplish it in four very plot heavy, thematic heavy episodes. But these are, I'll just say all four of these episodes, like big. Yeah, plot. Yeah, 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 yeah. This would be a whole movie. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. The four. I mean, I it is. It's an hour and a half. I understand. You know? I understand. Yeah. So those are still tall orders. I think it could be done in four episodes, but those are two whole, whole orders. The biggest reason I am starting to maybe walk back that prediction is Because this whole show is about balance. Mm -hmm. This show is about balance and unity and connection. It's not what I'm used to. It's not what I resonate with or what I gravitate to, which is like sacrifice yourself and all for the greater good and suffer the consequences, but find solace in the fact that you did the righteous thing, right? That's not Mm -hmm. what the show is about. Like, I think... Going back to when Iroh and Aang were talking in the cave and Iroh says like, hey, like, listen, yeah, it might be your destiny to save the world, but, or like, it, it might, like, you might have to save the world, but like, what does he say? He basically gives him permission to be like, yeah, but growing old with your true love is also noble yeah. and okay. Like, you mm-hmm. don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that speech kind of rang echoed back in my head and i realized like i was projecting what i wanted to be the ending or what i'm used to being the ending onto this show when this show is pretty unique when this show has consistently kind of brought me back to themes of balance and self-love and not having to be neo or the chosen one right to Mm -hmm. be great yeah you know a lot of ang's conflicts is about his own self-doubt that's what he plays every season he has he has something that confronts him that way yeah season one it's about 
being the avatar and confronting his decision to run away season yeah. two earth bending is something that he just feel like he not able to overcome internally yeah but i will say in season three nikki has long maintained that it's mm. going to be Aang, zuko and katara she's in that camp yeah does that sway you at all what do you think Man, I I do think highly of Nikki's ability to read this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just less confident than I was a couple episodes okay. ago because I think a couple episodes ago I, I would have like put money on it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not that there's too many people yeah. that can bet with me right now, but <laughs> I'm less certain now. I'm less certain now. Okay, I think I am more confident that Ang may they will defeat the Fire Lord, but like Ang may not necessarily be able to go back into the Avatar state again. It yeah, will okay. more so be that through the power of friendship and, oh, all four elements come together. <laughs> Toph, Aang, Zuko. Katara and Zuka. Z- yeah. yeah. They're able to take down the Fire Lord. <laughs> and they like mighty morph into a avatar. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the, uh, the finale pans out. I'm okay. excited to watch it. I love, I love the whole finale. Great four yeah. episodes. But let's talk about what we liked about this episode. I wrote down a few things. Yep, yep. I really, as like a theater kid, I really liked yeah. the theater jokes. Yes. I thought they were such a good nod. And I think like if you're not a theater kid or if you don't care about like Broadway, like a lot of them probably went over your head because they're pretty subtle. But one, I just liked that like the actors were like all a little bit like dumpy and a little like chubby. Yeah. Like it was just like, <laughs> yeah. it was kind of funny that way. Yeah. The one that stood out to me was uh, Katara and Ty Lee were both kind of chubby. Yeah. I thought they were the same <laughs> actor for a second, but they were both kind of chubby. Yeah. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. I liked the way that they were caricatured all the ways that they theater, like the props and sets they used for bending. It was like ribbons. There was this old man, yeah. like, waving like metal sheets for sound effects and like rolling out like red tapestry for flames. Mm -hmm. I can speak to a few things. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm jogging my memory. I wrote down a bunch of things because overall what I like this episode is they address so many of our past criticisms. Mm. Oh, they do. Yeah. yeah, You're right. You're right. They they nod. They have fourth wall breaking. It dumps on itself. Yeah. 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 Just to name a few, the great divide that part, they they're flying over the great divide and they say, you want to stop, and take a look, and they're like, nah. And then they just keep flying. That's oh, I didn't because... even catch that. Yeah. That's so <laughs> funny. That's what we said in our criticism. Like, why did they even stop there? Wait, that's so funny, dude. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're saying, we know this episode sucks. It had like, had really bad ratings. Dude, I love that they kind of interacted with the, uh, the fans that way. This episode was much more about talking to the fans. Yeah. Than it was about the actual universe. They did a few more times. Yeah. When the drill, the audience was like yawning while the drill was happening because we said as well, like this episode is kind of boring. Like, it's- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you get to the end. It's like, oh, OK. All right. I thought this could be more exciting. They're breaking into Bossing Say. It's pretty big. Right. But it's kind of boring. That's true. And then they address Jet and Combustion Man dying. Where they said, oh, it's not really clear what happened. Yeah, that was that's great. what we said. That was great. <laughs> that was, I forgot about that. I was like, yeah, that was really unclear. <laughs> did Jet yeah. die? <laughs> yeah. Did combust- Did he die falling down the cliff? But we're not sure. And then Azula escaping. Yeah. They address like, where did she go? And <laughs> that's what we said in our criticism. It's like, they're in this town in the middle of nowhere. They could just 
get a little high up and then look around. <laughs> she could not have gone that far. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what they address here. Uh, they also said, um, Zuko, your uh, hair, it's getting too far. He's <laughs> <laughs> grown out his hair yeah. all of season two and three. It's all over the place. Last thing, there's two two moments I thought were super funny. I think they're spoofing a little bit Zuko's writing for mm. how like emo he is. Yeah. He says this to Iroh in the play. He says, you smell and I hate you for all time. I thought that's <laughs> that yeah. so good like yeah, yeah, for the yeah. tone of the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just ridiculous and funny. And then the animation. I loved, as you mentioned, the creativity they put into making this a stage production. And then Sokka, I thought was animated so funny yeah. this episode, especially when he he plants the joke and then they say the joke and then he's looking at everyone sitting next to him being like, that was me. Yeah, I yeah. did that. I made that joke. His animation was hilarious. Yeah. Sokka pal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Those are all my favorites. My favorite parts. What else from you? Yeah, those are those are really it. I, I think I think I really liked that Aang was played by a girl mm-hmm. and they flew him around and like the cable. It was very like, yeah. it was very it was pretty literally like a reference to Peter Pan. Yeah, totally. Because Peter Pan's yeah. generally played by a woman and Yep. Yeah, I think it was great. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> read through the whole Wikipedia on this. Yeah. Tons of trivia. Two bits I want to Im- implant. One is that this is also a it's a reference to Peter Pan. It's also a reference that Nickelodeon really wanted them to get a female voice actor to play Aang. Oh. And then they said, no, it must be an adolescent boy that is playing this character. Uh, and so this is kind of a, a bit of a jab at that. Wait, why? Why do they want that? Yeah. I mean, I, I completely see it. I'm someone who, if I was a casting director, I'm someone who would insist that if we have parts, it should be played by the most person that we can get like that's the no, most no, no, no. Like that's what character. I'm saying. Like, why yeah. would they want a woman to play? I think it might be that. That's a common studio thing for young characters. Yeah. Tons of anime. Every anime. Like this Ash. little kid is character. And, uh, Ash is female. Naruto yeah. is female. Yeah. Tommy Pickles is a female. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, adult, she's a, she's a right? fucking legend. What's her name? She's great. Yeah. What is it? TC? No, no, no. I think you're right. I think it's because um, generally kids come with more risk and overhead. Yeah. They're not. There's not as talented at at acting compared to a, an adult. They also are going to grow out of the character. As we said, Tommy Pickles and um, Timmy Turner as well, played by a female yeah. adult. But I, I'm glad that they did that. I really like when they when they cast child actors to play child parts. Like, have you heard of the show Bluey? Like every infant is obsessed with the show. I love Bluey, dude. Yeah, I've seen it. It's a good show. I don't know why I started watching. Maybe it was on TikTok or something and I checked it out. Yeah. And I'm like, this show's really good. Yeah. Bluey. I don't understand how it appeals so much to kids because it feels written so much more about parenting. Yeah. It's really, uh, it's really well written and it's condensed. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes great kids shows because I would feel great Mm -hmm. about showing that to my kids. Totally. If I had kids. But that show, there's the two, I think it's Bluey. Is that the kid? And then his sister. Those are both played by like super young actors. Oh, really? You could tell. Yeah, I mean, they sound like they sound like kids, like yeah, right. really like infants, like five year olds, four year olds. Yeah. Oh yeah, bingo! Dun, dun, mm-hmm. dun, dun, dun. Bluey. <laughs> yeah, I love the theme song too. Any other likes you want to go over? Should we get to move to dislikes? Let's let's move to dislikes. Yep, yep. Here's my dislike. What is it? My dislike is that, and this is what I mentioned before about the playwright mm. in an authoritarian 
state that is the Fire Nation, yeah, this show would not go on. They would not put this up. Anything that that paints their like number one enemy in any sort of positive light, they would be like, no, this cannot happen. Because th- this is remember the beginning of season three. In their school, they have like prop- hardcore propaganda in all their schools. Patriotism is the number one thing for this country. They would not allow portraying the Avatar or any of the Aang gang as these kind of lovable people. It would be <laughs> it would be the enemy. And I know this is an impossible situation. Yeah. And maybe that's why they said it's an Earth Nation poet rather yeah. than a um, a Fire Nation one. Because obviously for the viewer, for us watching... That's what we want. We want to see something like that. I, but I, I can make the argument that this could have been from a Fire Nation perspective. It could still be the same episode. They're mad about how evil. Why are they making us out to be these terrible people? We didn't do that. That was the Fire Nation. That was this jet that did that. Yeah. And they did. That did happen a little bit during the jet episode. It's like they didn't know that they were trying to stop jet. And so the episode was Katara being like, oh, let's go ahead and wipe out this Fire Nation town. Yeah. Because of that. So that's that's that crit- criticism. My other one is, this is stupid for me saying it. This is the obvious thing to say. Mm. But the stuff they portray in the stage, there's no way someone who's writing about the Aang gang that they don't know would have known these things. Yeah. And that's that the, that's my... the stupidest dislike. That's the yeah. stupidest one. Obviously, duh, Eli. This is meant to be fourth wall breaking. It's for the viewers. But still, they wouldn't have known. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my main one. That was my main one. Yeah. There's so many. Uh, there's a select few details, which I appreciate. They left misinterpreted. Like the blue spirit. Yeah, the blue right. spirit being the main one where they don't know. It's a separate entity. From yeah, Zuko. yeah, yeah. It's a separate entity. Yeah. And then Aang goes, my hero. And mm-hmm. Zuko and Aang look at each other uncomfortably. Yeah. Uh, that's the only. There was like a, one other I can't think of. But yeah, I think my critique was like. Wait, this is so detailed. How would... Yeah. I didn't know that it was an Earth Nation poet, but like, how would the Fire Nation know all of this stuff? And even if they did, why would they put it in a play? Which Mm. is when I had to take a step back and be like, yeah, this is like... This episode's kind of like outside of the main thread. It's a a little bit... It is. As a a viewer, you should understand that it's a little bit outside the physics of the main line for the sake of like enjoying a recap together in a fun way. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I have the same critiques, but also, you know, I don't actually hold, hold them yeah. again. Like, I would, it, it would be I weird the if they way. actually – it would be trying to do too much with the same bit if they were trying to be super realistic about what yeah. kind of play would the Fire Nation put on. They had the scene where they were fighting with the pirates near the river. And I'm like, this is so detailed. <laughs> like, how would the Fire Nation know about all this – and especially stuff that's like a secret yeah. that no one's supposed to know, yeah. like a uh, jet turning crazy. Yeah. You know, exactly. Being exactly. brainwashed by the earth nation. Yeah. That could not have leaked. Exactly. Exactly. But that's not the point. I feel stupid for making this criticism, <laughs> but I'm still going to make it. Yeah. Cause overall I like this episode. Yeah. I like this episode. I will say I would still like to see the episode that is, that is from what we're saying. They can still make an episode out of the avatar is evil they're causing problems everywhere and our hero Azula is going to stop them. Yeah. I think it would have been cool to see a version of this that, and, but they already did address the propaganda in different episodes. Yeah. But if they also kind of called it back to that of if the play was actually lying about certain events 
actually yeah. twisting certain events. Because the Aang gang was yeah. mad about them being depicted in unfair caricature yes. ways that also were very spot on roasts, to be honest. <laughs> I think it would have been funny if, or I think it would have been interesting to see like events flat out censored and like changed. Like, because if this was yes. China, yes. like you said, like, right. I think um, today, China. Wait, yeah. who was telling me that they got their. The Shen Yun. That, that's all of the marketing. We yeah. cannot do this play in China. It's banned. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, I can't believe the tagline of uh, Shen Yun is China before communism. I know. It's, it's it ridiculous. It blows my mind. I really <laughs> think it's a fucking simulation. Like, Nikki has seen it. She has? Yeah. I didn't know like, that. Way did long it? ago. Before is a meme. Like when she was so in it's real. It something. is real. It's not a tax. Yes, it's a real play. It's not a tax haven show. Apparently, it's it's like a, it's actually a big, fun to watch production. I, I don't want to say too much about it. I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. Chinese Maybe you can get Nikki on here. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have to be a hater, but like I have no. Look, this is hundred percent because I'm just in a bubble. But yeah. like I know nobody who's even knows anybody that's seen it. Now I, you do. Now I do. Now on I, this podcast. Yes. Now I do. This episode is sponsored by the People's Republic of China. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's it for our dislikes, though. Yeah, I know, uh, those are the main ones. Okay. Let's talk about our bogus thesis. Yep, yep. Okay. Again, easy one. Boom. We just detail who are the informants for the playwright. Yeah. We can go piece by piece, but I will say, number one, definitely... The Cabbage Man is an informant. Ooh. <laughs> he shows up everywhere. He defies. He's a fourth wall breaking figure. Yeah, that's true. He's everywhere. Yeah. He's leaking information. Cabbage Guy is Earth Nation guy, right? He's an Earth Nation guy. That would make sense. Maybe the mm-hmm. Cabbage Guy is the playwright and the informant. He was also in the play. He gave himself a shout out. <gasps> that's true. He was mentioned. Yeah, very, I very Tarantino. Someone. That's the easy thesis, but there's got to be a better thesis. I was pretty good. <laughs> Dude, I, this is such a side tangent, but yeah. the episode was called Ember Island Players, right? Yeah. In my head, when they said players, I didn't think about playwrights and like plays. I thought it you was thought like about... some some like secret cabal. Players? Yeah. Mm. I don't know why in my head, like it was like, oh, the Ember Island 8 Maybe secret. that is. Maybe that's who the informants are. Maybe. <laughs> The Empire Island Players. But then I started watching the episode and I was like, oh, players. Like, Yeah, they're on a play. East-West play. players in LA. I don't know if you've seen any plays yeah. by them. Like, uh, oh. Good Asian Playhouse in LA. I don't really go. I don't attend the theater that often. But when I do, I'm like, that was fun. Dude, plays are okay. so good, dude. I'm much more. If they were a into- fraction of the cost, I would be there <laughs> way more often. But yeah. I, I, I go to a movie. Yeah. A play. First of all, I don't like being there that long. There's, it's like two hours with the intermission yeah, or more. You got to get there early. Get oh, I love it though. Seats, parking. Yeah. I complain about all that, but I have absolutely no problem with that for theater. A lot of that is the same complaints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for theater, to me, it's quicker. Yeah. Well, I think if you could remove the stuffiness, because yeah. it's still stuffy it is, is the thing. Yeah. I think if you could remove the stuffiness, that would be great. And I think maybe VR. No, I don't know. <laughs> that could That could be cool. Yeah. A VR, I would like to see a VR play. That would be pretty cool. Mixing the traditional yeah. with the future of technology. Yeah. The people are there live, essentially live motion cap- yeah, mo- capturing. Capping. Yeah. And you can move around general standing room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However you want. Yeah. I think that could be pretty cool. It'd be cool. like, uh, what is that Shakespeare 
Playhouse thing? Oh, Sleep No More. Yeah, some some sort that of was Sleep cool. No More, except it's like VR. And then it doesn't have to be just the stage. Exactly. They could go around just like yeah, yeah, Sleep yeah. No More. But but it would have to be definitely live mocap. Otherwise, it's like not even yes. a play. It's just a VR <laughs> interactive I like, thing. This is a fun, this is an idea though, because Sleep No More, the thing that doesn't happen in Sleep No More yeah. is you getting touched. Are you getting interacted with directly? Mm. So that could be a way that yeah. it could be somewhere between a play and yeah. something you participate in. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is so dumb. So bogus. <laughs> okay. Uh, my thesis is that this play was put on to psych Ang out and they, they had it. It's all part of the plan. They had it tour. It's like getting in the opponent's head before a fight, you know, by tweeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I forget someone tweeted, uh, Logan Paul's girlfriend, like making out with all her exes all over social media or something. I forget. Okay. It's like getting in the opponent's head and, uh, they didn't necessarily know that Ang would be at Ember Island. But it's going to be a touring play. So they knew that he would watch it eventually. So they're incepting the vision of him losing to the Fire Lord mm. into his brain. Azula planted the flyer. Yes. <laughs> You're right. They knew he was going to be she there. She would. It's not, not beyond. She's pulled bigger, bigger, bigger scores than that. Out. I think, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's so stupid. But uh, good enough for a, 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 a bogus yeah. thesis. Well, folks... I want to thank our sponsor for today, Shen Yun, <laughs> on stage. See it live. Three thousand years of China before five thousand years. Five thousand years of history of Chinese history. China before communism. Some crazy amount of thousands of years of history before your eyes. I don't remember the tagline, but but I do still have that flyer in my bathroom. I love it. Every time I take a poop in your house, I chuckle. Yeah, it was a joke. We put it there years ago. The idea is people go in there to use the bathroom and they're looking around while they're using the toilet and then they see a Shen Yun flyer on the the door, which on yeah. it's on the inside of the Such door. Such a meme. And we, we put it there because it was like, you're there and you have that joke, but it's just you experiencing that joke because yeah. that's something that you'd immediately just tell someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. You did that. And so people will come out of the bathroom yeah, yeah, and they'll yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah. But also, they're not sure how to process it while they're just sitting there in the toilet. Yeah, dude. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a, such them. a delightful... It's a gift. It's a little experience that you curated for your guests. Yeah. And I really... It just, it's a good touch. It's, it's, <laughs> it's funny. It's a fun one. Yeah. It's, it's been up there for a while. Maybe it's time to switch up the joke. Who knows? I, don't, I think it's great. Well, go see Shen Yun, maybe. I don't know anything <laughs> about it, really, other than thousands of years of history. Reborn. And make sure to go onto Apple Podcasts, put a review down onto Spotify, put a review, rate it, tell your truth, speak your truth into this world, into this platform in the form of that data. Let us know what you think. Respond to the Q&A and we will see you next time. Peter, any words of wisdom? Imitation is a form of flattery. When someone is imitating you, don't be salty. Laugh it off like Toph and reflect on what they're saying about you. <laughs>